All right, you guys, the long-awaited season two. We're finally here with another episode of Return. And wow, there is so much to talk about. Um, obviously, anywhere you are in the world right now, you are being affected by the coronavirus and by the things that are happening. Um, if you're like us, most of the time we are just hanging out at home a little bit of you know, still doing prayer room, but a lot of public life has been shut down. And so we just want to take this first episode and talk about what is God doing? Uh, who's behind all of this, the coronavirus? Um, how should we respond? And what is the takeaway message from all of this? So let's just jump right in. Okay, so to start off, just want to say many of you probably are aware right now that um, globally there's actually a 40-day fast that is taking place. And at the recording of this episode, we are on day 19, so we're actually... Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, we're almost halfway through, 21 days to go. So if you want to jump in, you can jump in for a 21-day fast and finish it up. But I want to just start off by saying, wow, like the divine timing of the Lord who knows history, who knows where things are going uh, and who planned, you know, ahead of time before any of us knew that this coronavirus would break out. The Lord two years ago through Lou Engel called this 40 day fast saying March 2020, there's going to be a global fast in the church. We need to turn our hearts to the Lord. Obviously, I think there was a lot of expectation in the beginning of this year that this wasn't a business as usual year. Um, I mean, you probably heard different things. A lot of expectation of just harvest of souls coming in. There's stadium gatherings that at least were planned to happen all over the world. And unusual things were already on the horizon for 2020. But wow, we're off with a bang. And I just want to say, though, that this 40-day fast is such a gift to the body of Christ on multiple levels. And um, we probably won't get into all of that right now. But I just see, Lord, you really are already setting up your church and, and preparing us for our hearts to be tender to respond in this time. And that's kind of what we want to focus on. And, and I want to ask you even to just start off by sharing on how should we respond mm -hmm. to the things that are happening right now? Because of course, there's going to be a myriad of responses, probably the primary one being fear. But biblically, uh, as the body, how should we be responding yeah. right now? And that's something that we've been talking about um quite a lot and and again we're so thankful that uh, we have the sensitivity of the lord in the body of christ right now just by being weak just by uh because when you fast one of the greatest things the fasting is not that it produces something in god but it produces something in us and you have to constantly be uh, remembering remembering every single time you want to eat 
you would say, no, I don't have to eat because I am focusing on God. So you're all God is on your mind all the time. So yeah. it's very practical. And as we are thinking about it, uh, we realize that, I mean, biblically, we have to... We have to know how to respond by knowing where's uh, where's this coming from. And biblically, there's only four sources that the Bible tells us that are the cause of conflict in the end times. And always, always, there's only four sorts of conflict and um, or tribulation or trials and etc. etc. So there's number one. The Bible says that the the earth has birth pangs that are in pain. Is in Romans chapter eight verse. 24 to 26 and then you have I mean it's just natural disasters and natural things N number two you have the sin and the rage of humanity we're sinful mm -hmm. people and believers and unbelievers so sin has consequences that erupts in corruption some people say this was created like as a weapon you know the virus other people say blah 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 whatever it is it's just a natural cause of sin mm -hmm. number three Satan Satan hates humanity and, and, and is always plotting to destroy Israel, destroy the church, destroy humanity. Satan hates even himself and hates his own demons and army. That's the nature of, of the father of, lie, of lies. And then number four, and this is the tricky one because many people out there are in the Western world, especially in English, are saying that God is not behind this. So... But the, the, the truth is that four of these are actually behind this. There's the, the, the earth is groaning. The sin of people is causing these things. Number three is Satan is actually doing these things and God is behind it. So as we know all of these four things, we need to know how to respond. Yeah. And you respond to each one differently at the same time. So as a church and as leaders in the body of Christ, we need to know how to respond to the earth groaning, meaning there's some regulations that we have to isolate ourselves to just contain this thing just physically. Number two, we need a we need to see how like nations are responding. We need to evangelize, preach the gospel to the unsafe because sin sin creates a lot of fear. So we need we have the gospel. We have to preach the news, take the news to the poor, take care of the elderly. Number three, Satan. We need to rebuke Satan yeah. and we need to re take a stand, which we're probably going to talk more about that. We need to take a stand like number 16, like uh, Aaron and taking the incense in between the, the plague and, and the people of God. We need to take our stand as intercessors and rebuke this plague in the name of yeah. Jesus. Take authority over our region and say no more in the name of Jesus and plead the blood of Jesus and ask for mercy. But so we are the response for this. But then number four, God is behind this too. God disciplines those who he loves, Hebrews 12. If if God is not disciplining his church, we will be considered bastards. Mm -hmm. And that's what the book of Hebrews says. So God is dealing with the church to bring things to the surface. But at the same time, God judges or shakes Haggai chapter uh, 2, verse 7. God is shaking the nations and, and, and he shakes the nations for two purposes, to stop the oppressor and number two, to make the nations, the unbeliever, turn back to him in, in, in the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Satan wants to bring fear for destruction and despair, but God wants to bring fear in his judgments 
and, and Isaiah 26 says, so, so people, the nations, learn righteousness. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that, those are the four scenarios that we need to marry together at the same time. We have to know the four sources, and we need to know they're all happening at the same time. Yeah. And I want to comment on some of those things because I've had a few different things, even just personally, come up during this time. And the first one is just talking about the birth pangs that are happening. I want to just say like so clearly because it's so clear in scripture, Matthew 24, when Jesus is talking about what the signs are going to be before he returns to the earth. He, he uses, even in this chapter, the um, language of birth pangs. But Matthew 24, verse, um, where is it? I just had it. Oh, verse uh, 7. It says, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. I mean, this is one verse out of, like, many that we could pull out in the scriptures that talk about pestilences before the Lord returns. Mm-hmm. But pestilence, it's right there in scripture. Earthquake, there was an earthquake um, just in Salt Lake City uh, the other day. We are going to be seeing all of these things just increase. And I want to just say this, because um, this has kind of been the language that's been coming to my mind, but also it's language that Jesus talks about so clearly in scripture is uh, using the example of labor. And if you are a mom, if you have kids, you know exactly uh, what this looks like because I've been thinking about contractions. When you are in a contraction, it takes, in some ways, it takes your breath away. It takes You have to um, minimize all of the peripheral noise. You have to kind of shut down and focus on what's happening in that moment in your body. But then what happens is the contraction ends, you get relief, and you have a period of time uh, to rest in between that contraction and the next one to come. And the thing that I've been just thinking about is 100% this is a contraction that is coming across the whole earth. We are all right now in the middle of focus and and trying to get through it and doing the things that we need to do. And without a doubt, there's going to be relief from this contraction and life will go back to normal. And we're praying, obviously, that the sooner that happens, the better. And yet at the same time, this contraction isn't wasted. And, and I do want to talk wow. about that a little bit more because it is leading ultimately to the return of Jesus or in the natural sense to the birth of the baby. But I want to just say so clearly that this is one contraction of many to come. And we know that in birth, the contractions get closer together and more intense the closer you get to when the baby comes. And there really is also even a time of pushing that comes right at the end before the baby is born. And I just think, oh, Jesus, it makes so much sense that you would use this kind of birth language about the end times and about what will take place before you return because we're feeling it right now. We're feeling the pain and the tension of, whoa, it's time and and this is happening. So I just want to say really um, boldly, Let's not waste this contraction. Come on. This is a time for us to be 
one, just aware, God, what are you doing in the earth? And if, if you're not, you know, dive into the word more, like now is the time to be eating the scroll now more than ever and, and getting again that biblical perspective that we talk about a lot. Um, I want to say personally, something that I've been just asking the Lord even about this to not waste the contraction, so to speak, is, and this ties into what you were saying about the discipline part. I've been asking the Lord, even just before all of this broke out and going to the fast, like, Lord, put your finger on the areas of my heart and of my life that aren't aligned with your leadership. And I think of a, a fast already as kind of like that chiropractic adjustment that's bringing us into alignment with, with God's leadership. Yeah. And so from the beginning, it's been, you know, him putting his finger on different pressure points and it's, it can be different things of just like responses that come out and, and, um, specifically it's like dealing with pride, dealing with, um, the way that we respond in anger sometimes to other people or whatever. But that's been something that the Lord's really been speaking to me about during this time. And I believe to many of you too, is what's going on in your heart? Like what are the responses that are coming out? Because I believe he really wants to expose a few things in the church right now, which is where are you really putting your trust? Where are you really putting, uh, yeah, your trust for provision, your trust for safety, you know, are we really aligned with his leadership and what he's doing? And and even in the subtle areas of our hearts, like the way we relate to our kids, you know, now that school's canceled and things are shut down and we're like in a home all day long with kids, you know? I We only have one and we're home with her normally anyways, but it's just like those things are all different pressures that can cause your heart to be exposed and then you just add fasting on top of it and the Lord really does want to do that and something that um, I think is so important and this was something that came up right before we started the fast was there was a chorus that was sung in the prayer room here that was just I want the real raw gospel of Jesus Christ and after um, that set, we went back into the debrief and we were just talking about the need for personal and corporate repentance for the areas of our life that do not line up with the real, the raw gospel of Jesus and his leadership. And so that is the key. leading into something else that we've been talking about and feeling is this need for repentance. Yeah. This need for the Joel... 215 for the Amos 3, which I think you're going to um, talk about, but it's the rending of our hearts. So our inward response to the Lord and not just trying to maintain the outward. It says, rend your heart, not your garment. The Lord really is using this time and this opportunity in his church to break the things in us that need to be broken and, and he's asking us, will you actually come with a broken heart to me so that I can tell you the things that aren't aligned right now with my leadership? Yeah. We, we cannot, like you said, we cannot waste this time because the, contract, the contraction is going to fade away. And if we continue business as usual, like, 
okay, well, that, that was weird. Let's just continue without a culture of fasting, prayer, and repentance. That is the thing that God wants to produce in us. A culture of repentance in our kids, in our regeneration, to say, Lord, spare, spare America, spare our countries. Lord, have mercy on us because things are not okay. Let's just be honest. Things are not okay. We're not aligned. We're not walking in the fullness of the New Testament believer apostolic standard. And there, God actually confronts us in the Old Testament and the New Testament saying that a false prophetic voice uh, is the one that is saying peace, peace when God is dealing with us and just say, yeah, Satan, we rebuke you, which is true. We have to rebuke Satan. We have to preach the gospel. We have to do all of those things. But the main controversy is that the church is not aligned with God. So in this season of mercy and discipline, and God actually says in Hebrews 12, God disciplines his children so we can participate in his holiness. And if we don't take advantage of this, we're going to waste a big opportunity. And we're not going to be prepared for the next contraction. And so, yeah, uh, and one of the things that Amos chapter 3 verse 6 says, um, if a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? If there is a calamity in the city, will not the Lord have done it? And it's just two verses before what most of us sometimes quote, like, if the lion roar, shall not, shall the people of God prophesy? Or like, we need to prophesy. And in this, sometimes we take this shout of, you know, boldness, like, yeah, we need to roar like the lion. And as prophetic people, out of context, because God is saying, I am the one bringing the calamity. I am the one blowing a trumpet. What are you going to do? Are you going to you know, blow your own trumpet, blow your own theme, or you're going to align with the roar of the lion and you're going to prophesy the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is good. The fear of Satan is not good. We're not talking about being afraid of not having food. God is going to provide. God is stronger than Satan. Absolutely. But in the middle of all of that, God wants to replace it with the fear of the Lord so we can repent and turn back to Him. If we are... If we are avoiding the fear of the Lord, we're going to do a big damage in the church and in our own lives. As leaders, we need to blow the trumpet, say, God is coming back. This is about, like you said, this is not about an apocalypse like Hollywood, like zombies and go bunker up and buy guns and, you know, get ready for an apocalypse. That's not what it is. These contractions should bring joy and fear of the Lord because yeah. Jesus is coming. I, I don't know, the moment I saw, we saw Elodie, you know, coming out of the womb, it, like when she was born, you know, it, it, all the calamities and all of the stuff was gone in a second. I cannot speak. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I, I mean, on the dad side, and you will say the same, but uh, this is going to produce, produce life. This pain is about life, not about producing death. Yeah. So if we have that in mind, that this is all about the coming of Jesus, the birthing of a new era, Jesus coming and ruling the nations, then we can have a real perspective yeah. and have the fear of the Lord in the middle of all of this. Yeah, and I was thinking as before you even went into all that, the summary of it again is we're preparing for our bridegroom to come. come and on. so the reason 
why God would be behind this in addition to the other reasons because those are so legitimate as well. But the reason why God would be behind this is it's the principle we see back in Exodus when the Israelites were in the wilderness. He is a bridegroom and when he comes, he comes with fire and he shakes everything that can be shaken. And what's happening right now is he is preparing the globe for not only the sun to come back, for Jesus to come back. The earth is being prepared for the father to eventually come back. But when he comes back, he comes as a consuming fire. He comes, Jesus comes as a bridegroom looking and waiting for an equally yoked bride. And so what we see principles of in the Old Testament and what we see happen in the book of Revelation is yes, the things that can be shaken are going to be shaken. And the purpose of it, even though it may cause crushing, even though it may cause a breaking of us, the church, a breaking of Israel, ultimately, what it's doing is preparing us to be equally yoked in love with him. And that's like, that's the part where it's like, oh, if our hearts can get touched with the intimacy of our bridegroom right now and the fact that this is his kindness and his mercy to say hey Gabe you know what not everything in your life right now is aligned under my leadership and I actually really want to talk to you about these things because I want you ready for when I come back I want you spotless I want you pure and when he comes with that tone of a bridegroom it's just like yes Jesus do it take out the things that aren't aligned with you Take out the things that would cause me to not be in unity with my brothers and my sisters here in my immediate context and across the globe. Do those things because I want to be prepared and I want to be prepared with a corporate people to be able to receive you when you come. And there's so much to unfold on that that I think we could talk about at another time because, yeah, when he comes, he's coming to shake things and he's coming as a consuming fire and he will remove everything that hinders true righteousness, love, uh, uh, justice. He's going to take away those things. And Isaiah 2 talks about, it's been something that I've been looking at throughout this fast. Isaiah 2 talks about that every lofty and high exalted thing is going to be brought low and the Lord alone is going to be exalted in that day. And so you better believe that's what we're starting to see right now. We're starting to see the the um, pride of man, the ingenuity of man, the ability and the power of man is being tested and shaken right now. And so quickly people are being reminded of their frailty and of, of just the lack of power that they have compared to something that's bigger than themselves. And we're just talking about a virus. We're not even talking about the Genesis one God who's about to come to the earth. And so this is preparation and this is exciting like Benji was talking about. And so as much as possible, I think it's really an invitation from the Lord. Yes, repent, get yourself in alignment, but get yourself filled with joy at what he's about to do in the earth and knowing that we really are preparing for the biggest revival to ever hit the planet. And that is King Jesus coming back to the earth. Yeah. And it's the Bible calls in Psalms to rejoice with trembling. Yeah. 
So I want to just my last participation. I want to talk about two sets of threes, three scriptures that can help us have understanding of this moment in history, and three ways that we can respond. So three ways we respond. We respond to uh, respond to God by repenting with Daniel chapter nine. Daniel chapter nine is a textbook on how to repent with tenderness, in fasting, without condemnation, without fear, but in confidence that we're turning to the Lord and intercession. Lord, Lord, forgive me first, ex examine me, and then help our nation and have mercy, Lord, mm -hmm. because yours is the righteousness and us is the confusion. So we respond to God with repentance, and then we respond to Satan and his attack by rebuking him in the name of Jesus, rebuking the virus, taking our stand in confidence. And number three, we respond to the situation with people by loving, by showing the gospel, you know, being, being, being the church yeah. in a Song time of life. need. So those are the three responses we need to have all at the same time. And then three scriptures, Daniel 9, how, how we respond in prayer. Joel chapter uh, 1 and 2, we turn to the Lord, we rend our hearts, and we prepare for revival. And Isaiah chapter 6, I think Isaiah chapter 6 is the moment we're living where Isaiah is mourning because of the situation, the, the leaders have failed, no one has the answer, there's a lot... That he is in the political realm, his eyes, he's a, he's a prophetic man of God, but he's caught up in the conversation about politics, about the king, uh, Uzziah dying. He's in the middle of all of that, and the Lord shifts and aligns his heart to, to be prophetic, and he lifts up his eyes, and he sees the king of glory, and how he's going to rule the nations. And he takes that opportunity to, number one, fascinate his heart, realign him with worship number two he has a heavenly perspective that everything is going to be okay because king jesus is coming back and then number number three he purifies his he, the, the speech once our eyes are in the right position and our perspective changes to instead of political and all the news and all of that then the Lord can actually say, who will go for us? Who will be our voice in this time of crisis? And he's able to hear not only, again, the political realm, but he's able to hear what the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are saying. And he says, Lord, send me. I'll go. I'll be your mouthpiece. I'll be your voice. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the shifting that, like you said, if we can take advantage of this shaking, we will become the voice of the Lord for this generation. Amen. That's it. See you guys in the next episode. Amen.